0: I'm going to start in Luke 1, verse 5, and there will be like a couple things that we touch on, but it might be like a little mishmash of a couple things, but the main thing that I wanted to do this morning was impart courage and hope and joy, Um, and I was just praying, getting ready for this, and I was just talking to the Lord about how I just, I'm praying that your faith would increase that you would have a new level of hope and that you would just feel joy in a whole new way. So, we're going to start in Luke 5. So, Luke 5, there we're going to read a little bit here. So, it'll we'll get the whole story and kind of hear what what's going on. So, during the reign of King Herod, the great over Judea, there was a Jewish Jewish priest named Zechariah who served in the temple as a part of the priestly order of Ad- Abijah. Um, I'm also reading from the Passion Translation, so it might be a little different from what you're reading. His wife Elizabeth was also from a family of priests and being a direct descendant of Aaron. They were both lovers of God, living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord fully, but they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they both were quite old. One day when Zechariah's priest... Priestly order was on duty, and he was serving as a priest. It happened, by the casting of lots, that the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshippers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when the incense were being offered. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of the incense. And Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him, saying, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. For I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to Name him John. His birth will bring much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the greatest sights in, of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many to Israel to convert back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in, in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers and he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zechariah asked the angel, How do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is old, too old to give me a child. What sign can you prove to me that this will happen? So first of all, we see that, so their prayer has been confirmed. So the angel had said, Don't be afraid, God is is showing grace to you, for I have come that your prayer for a child will be answered. So this was something that they had prayed. They had prayed to have a child, and now the angel is saying, the Lord is answering your prayer. So they've prayed for it, and now it's been confirmed that the promise is being fulfilled. So Zechariah's response, we saw that he had unbelief unbelief and the label that the natural had given Elizabeth and Zachariah saying that they were too old to have children, that she was barren. So that's the lens that he's viewing this promise through right now. He's saying, but we're too old. We can't have a child, even though they had prayed that prayer, which is very funny sometimes. Um So when we choose to believe what God has for us, we need to see with heavenly perspective. What's the Lord saying about it? What's he doing in our lives? Not what we might think we've been confined to or what people have placed on us or what we've agreed with of what people have said about us or things like that. We need to see the situation, how he sees it, and be defined by him. So in verse 19 now, or one verse 19, It says, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand beside God himself. So reminding him that this is the Lord's word. This is coming straight from the Lord. That he has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and the child is born to you. That will be your sign. So this angel went and got sassy on him and said, okay, because of your unbelief, now you're not going to be able to speak until the promise is fulfilled. I am repenting for all my unbelief. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) So if I start like moving around and not being able to talk, you know, just let me know. Check my heart, Janelle. Check your heart. So... In verse 21, it says, meanwhile, the crowds kept, or outside, kept expecting him to come out. They were amazed over Zachariah's display, delay, sorry, wondering what could have happened inside the sanctuary. When he finally did come out, he tried to talk, but he could not speak a word. And then they realized from his gestures that he had been given a vision while in the holy place. And he remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple and then went back to his home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. She said with joy, see how kind of it it is that God would gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. So in Elizabeth, we see that the promise has been given, it's been believed, and it's been fulfilled. Now, we're going to go on to the angelic prophecy of Jesus' birth. So this is just verse um, 26 and then onward. So during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, the, in a village in Galilee. Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of the King David. Gabriel appealed, appeared to her and said, grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over these words. The words of the angel left her bewildered, and she said, okay, sorry, I'm going to reread that phrase. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, do not yield to your fear. So he says, do not be afraid. Don't give in to fear. Choose faith. For the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will will enthrone him as king of his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. But Mary said, "But how could this happen? I'm still a virgin." Gabriel answered, "The Spirit of holiness will fall upon you and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child is born to you, that is born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God." What more, what's more, is your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. So who was deemed barren by man, by her uh, inability to get pregnant? Well, now, is now six months into, your prom, into her promise. So the promise that they would have a son, she's now already six months, months fulfilled into that promise. So he's reminding her of what has been promised and given and is being fulfilled. It's like, your faith, Mary, your faith. Look what's happening over here in your family, your cousin. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. That's verse 37. And then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. So Mary, in that moment, Mary's reminded that the promise has been given, received, and is in six, six months into fulfillment through her cousin Elizabeth. After this, Mary's disposition completely changes. So at first, we saw that she said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. And then the angel reminds her and she says, oh, right, right, right. That's who God is. And that's what he can do. She even went on to finish by saying, this is amazing. She reminds herself that she submitted her entire life to God by saying, right, right, right. I'm a servant. Whatever you have for me, I'm willing. She reminds herself to the yes that she had said over the call on her life. She reminds herself that this is what she committed to, no matter what it looked like, no matter what shame people would put on her for being a virgin and being pregnant. It didn't matter because God's call was higher than all of that. The angel, in the way of that he said it to Mary, it was like he was saying, um, sorry, <laughs> Look at the testimony that's taking place in your cousin's life. The Lord wants to do the same in yours. Meaning, like we hear it all the time, and in the Bible, how it talks about the spirit. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So that means that my testimony, if God does something in my life, that means it's completely accessible to you too. You just have to take it, receive it, and believe it. The promises over their lives required a yes and the faith to believe it. Sometimes this is a a daily thing, believing the promise that God has over your life. So a little bit about me, I'll just share a quick little testimony. Um, I just finished my first year of nursing and I'd gotten lots of prophetic words about going into nursing before I had actually been accepted into the program and the... The qualifications or the prerequisites that you have to get, the demands are pretty high because there's lots of applicants and stuff like that. So before I got into nursing, I was taking all these prerequisites, and you had to get pretty good grades. I remember like sitting in a class in the first week of school, and I went to a pretty small university. And they would say, OK, and what do you guys all want to do like after you finish this first year of university? And they would just say, who wants to go into nursing? And 90% of the class raised their hands. And I'm looking around thinking, oh my gosh, there's all the competition because you're trying to beat everyone out, right? So you can get a spot. Anyway, it was like that in every class. And then they were like, who wants to go into education? And like two people raised their hands. And so anyway, it was, I thought it was very funny in the moment. I thought, okay, Jesus, here we go. Um, so you needed to get good grades to basically kick out the competition, So the faith that I used and exercised in that season was an everyday type of thing. It wasn't a simple, there was like plenty of opportunities to be discouraged and to fall away from believing or to doubt believing that this was what God had for me. And I had come to like a lot of decisions to the, up to that point to say, okay, I'm going to choose this degree. Like this is actually what I want to do over doing something else. So every day during that first year of university when it was still unknown whether or not I would be accepted. I would be driving, driving, and I would be listening to worship music or other music. Sometimes it was Taylor Swift. And I would be just declaring and preparing my heart for the day and saying to myself, okay, like this is what the Lord has called me to. I'm like, I can do everything in my own strength and I can push and strive for it, but that's not the position that I'm choosing. I'm choosing to rest in sonship and say, to remind God of his promise to me and say, this is what you've promised God, so I'm going to believe, choose to believe and have faith for what you've said, even when it doesn't look like it in the natural. And I can't see any results right now. I remember walking up one day to into an exam, and I had done really bad. Like, it was like my worst class. I had done really bad, and I needed to get a certain grade to pass. And I remember walking up and thinking to myself, like, walking up these steps, I'm like, I am not going to die here. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to let this take me down. I'm going to, in the Bible where it talks about every, when you've done all that you can do, stand. And I remember thinking, I'm standing. I'm standing right now, Lord. So even though, and like, just, just like, it's such a testimony. I did get in and I found out the day after my birthday that I had gotten in, which was pretty awesome. But I remember thinking, I'm seeing no results right now. Nothing, nothing in the natural at all. No, no one coming up to me on Sunday and saying, I feel like the Lord is just saying that, you're going to get into nursing again. Or like there's this big mountain and you need to just, you know, jump on over it and you'll get there. There was nothing like that. It was daily encouragement in the word, reading my Bible, declaring what God had done, his faithfulness, and all the other stories in Elizabeth and Mary and Abraham and Noah, everything. So with that, I just want to say you don't always feel like declaring and you don't always feel the faith or feel the encouragement, even when everything looks like it's going wrong and it just sucks. So in Romans 14, it says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. So having faith looks like something. It's choosing to believe and to have faith even when we don't feel like it. Another testimony was, I was in this French class and I had just been doing terrible all year long. Like, just like, and I was like trying my hardest. I was going to tutoring all the resources they could offer me. And I was like, (laughs) I told Lindsay this one time, I was in this class and I was sitting at the desk and I was like, oh my gosh, I just like failed again on this one project. And I was like thinking to myself, okay, Janelle, your, your worth is not in what you do. Your worth isn't in your grades. No matter what the grades, God's going to make a way because this is what he's promised. And like just how it said here in Romans 14, how it says, you, have re- you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. So I wasn't reading the word just because you needed to be in the word and that's the good thing to do and, you know, listening to worship music because it's holy or whatever people want to believe it is. Or leading, you did not be given the spirit of religious duty, leading you back to the fear of never being good enough. So if you have a huge promise over your life or you have something that you're believing for, just know that the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear and going back to the religious duty, If you're worried about, maybe you feel called to the music industry, but you feel like, oh, well, it's not God. God's not in it, like the secular music industry. That's not true, because God's in you, and he's with you everywhere you go, right? So, it also takes action your word. It, a lot of times people will have this passive approach to things and say, oh, I just need another word from God telling me what to do. But you need to be active and actively engaged. After the angel came to Zechariah and Elizabeth, do you think they stopped having, stopped having sex? No. They weren't like, oh yeah, the promise will be fulfilled. Okay, we're just gonna, you know, take it easy. No, probably not. I mean, if anything, they should have been putting out the vibes every night, right? You guys are not. It's okay to laugh. Jesus made it. He's in it. He's all for connection. Um. Obviously, we know Mary and Joseph had a different story, but... Um. So, the last thing I want to highlight in this story, we're going to keep reading on, is after Mary received the word from the Lord, where did she go? Let's read it here in verse 39. It says, Afterwards, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. Arriving at their home, Mary entered their house and greeted Elizabeth. At the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby inside Elizabeth's womb. Jumped and kicked, and suddenly Elizabeth was filled with overflowing, filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And with a loud voice, she prophesied with power. We're not going to go on to read the next verse, but right now. So, immediately, once Mary had been given the promise, she ran to her cousin Elizabeth, who was already six months into her promise and six months fulfilled. She didn't choose to say, oh, well, God gave me this word, but Elizabeth's six months into it. She didn't compare herself to Elizabeth. She didn't say, oh, well, Elizabeth has already got this going on, so I'm just going to go into isolation and fear and just isolate myself until my promises actually come into fruition. Sometimes I think God puts people in our lives who will help us and encourage us in our call. And maybe that looks like they're not exactly at the same spot that we're at. But it's not meant to discourage us and to fall into comparison and jealousy. It's meant to lift us up. If you have wealthy friends in your life, have you ever thought that maybe that's what God's going to do in your life? If you have people who are leading worship, and you're not leading worship yet, but you have, all your friends are leading worship instead of comparing yourself and saying, oh, well, they just have it all together and they just know what they're doing, maybe God wants to do that in your life too. He puts people in our lives to show us what he can do that we would be encouraged through our friends' lives. If God is doing something in your friends' life, just know that he is able and willing to do the same thing in your life too. The Spirit... The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So that means if my friend has, gets, finds this amazing job and it's this great thing, instead of saying, oh, well, God will never do that to me, or maybe I just need to try harder and apply more places, just receive it and say, God, you did it in their life. I receive the same thing from me, and I'm choosing to believe and have faith for what you can do in my life too. An orphan would say, well, if he did it in their life, then that means that there's not enough for me, too. So, like, oftentimes, people in the church will get offended if people have, are very wealthy or something like that. Because the mindset is, some people's mindset, is that if God blesses them, then that takes away from what God could give me. But the truth is, we serve an abundant God, right? Right? There's plenty and more than enough to go around for every single person. Ephesians 3.20 says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most inevitable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power continues to energize you. I, a couple years ago, I changed my thinking. So if God did something in my friend's life that I wanted to happen in my life, instead of being like, oh, well, you know, good for you, like, yay, I actually changed my way of thinking to think that if God's doing it in their life, that means he, want it in, he wants it in my life. So then I would, was able to celebrate with them. So when my friends had great promotions or my friends met an amazing guy, that meant that the Lord wanted to do exceedingly and abundantly more than my greatest expectation. Right? Right? We are sons and daughters, not slaves and orphans. Every promise and gift from God is accessible through him and only him. In order to believe these things that he's promised, we need to have faith and courage. We need to take action, and we need to surround ourselves with friends who encourage us and lift us up. I'm just going to pray for us. I felt like when I was prepping for this I felt like there were a couple things that the Lord was restoring or was going to do this morning. And I felt like I felt like there was like a grace being poured out for people who have maybe felt like they've put things on the shelf or put promises on the shelf that the Lord has promised. And maybe you feel discouraged that you just let it fall kind of to the wayside or that it wasn't fulfilled so then you stop believing in it. I feel like there was grace today for God to say, for like you to pick it back up and say, actually God, I repent for not believing in this and I want to choose to believe in it again. And I felt like there was just a grace for that. Um, So why don't we start with that? If you feel that's you, if you feel like there was something that maybe you didn't you feel shame about how you had faith for it or your lack of faith for it, or maybe you feel like there's something that you want to pick back up again and say, actually, God, I'm remembering the promise and reminding you of the promise, and this is something that I really want to step into. We would just love to pray for you today.